We're back. We're back. This is a distraction. I'm through. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? I'm good. Very restrained read on. No, uh, no, no damaged property of any kind. I thought you were going to go inside the game right away. Too. We can do it. Uh, Drew's initial uh, we're back read on was so dramatic that his headphones burst into flames. Or actually, well, no, whatever. They popped out of his ear. Uh, so he had, to, he had to get fixed. I'm like the one where uh, like if I'm working out on elliptical because I'm extremely uh, tight like that. Uh, and like I drop, I, like I, like if the uh, if one of the I don't even know what you call it the arm sticks yeah, catches arm, the arm headphone sticks. wire and pops out the headphones, like I automatically go oh fuck like yeah. even if like even if I'm at a gym and it's crowded like instant it's like not even I'm like oh oh it's just the worst thing that ever happened Ugh. I can't believe it where do they make these oh. That's, well, it's probably tough because you're like the thing that's keeping you going is that you're listening to Dio in your damn headphones, and that's as true. soon as you lose the Dio, what's what's left? It's the worst thing in the world. It's almost like when you can't find a parking spot at Wegmans. Just tragic. Just oh, an absolutely tragic this thing is to happen. Relatable chat. Let's get Gabe in here. Oh yeah. Hey, our <laughs> guest this week uh, is former Deadspin writer and now former CBS Sports writer and current colleague of mine at SF Gate. Gabe Fernandez. Hi, Gabe. We love him. We love Gabe. Hi, Drew. Hi, Roth. Wow, it's been a while. This is yeah. this is nice. I love seeing your faces. And, Wait, uh, would you say, here. Gabe, that it's been a while? No, don't, don't. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I teed him up for that one, Roth. That's well, my look, bad. Drinks honestly, on me next time I see you. He's been yelling at me in a Cockney voice for like three weeks now. And then we're going, <laughs> now we're straight to fucking stained. There wasn't can even I, a little break. Can I tell you something? I... I, I'm a, a Stern fan, and I used to listen to Stern back when he was on terrestrial radio. And before that song broke big, like uh, Baba Booey came out into the studio and was like, like playing some songs for Howard, like, this is what's going to come in the rotation this month. This is what we, we think is going to be big. And he started playing that one, and Howard was like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's the shit. And everyone, you know, like, I can just picture everyone in Howard's studio, like, doing the white man's overbite, like, this fucking rocks. And, yeah. and it became... It became like a number one smash for like eighteen weeks, like just like a month into later. The, the the mentality of like a like a guy that is like like multiply divorced, like divorced <laughs> on the inside, not just circumstantially. Like he's able to get at that energy. Break the cycle actually is the only one of the only new metal albums I ever purchased. Uh, Gabe, and it was because Ooh. it was just back when they had Columbia House. Like Columbia House still existed, oh, so you got okay. like the twenty free CDs, and then you yeah. tried to and you tried to welch on buying anything else from them. They sent like a collector with yeah. a Billy Club to your front door. <laughs> is it is this the time where I get to show off my youth and say that I never bought a new metal album? By the time I was like really aware and like getting my own music, they were all available at the library. Like. <laughs> Wait, you got CDs from the library? I got CDs from the library. Yeah, so, well, it, it's a combination of the fact that, you know, I'm old enough that I can get CD, I got CDs from the library. Yeah, right. But I'm also You're not like, what is a compact where, like, disc? I wasn't rushing uh, to to the store, to Tower Records, to try and get, like, the latest Corn record. Instead, that makes I was, you sound... That makes you sound older than me, not younger. Dang. I, I, I thought you were going to be like, well. I of going into the library and being like, uh, do you guys have, uh, I can't see it in the card catalog. You have the POD record, right? <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> where's, the, where's the latest Slipknot? Except it's me at like 10. <laughs> <laughs> I do that now. I'm a piece of shit. I go to the library. Yeah. I'm not looking for books. I'm like, let's go to the DVD section and see what's up. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, ooh, they have Happy Feet too. I am on it, baby. <laughs> Ready to fucking do it. It was like $25 in late fees on Step Brothers. 
I am I am one of the rare people who does still get library fees, and it's uh, it's very it's embarrassing because you got like a collection notice, and it's like, excuse me, Mister, you owe us a dollar fifty. So you're like, because it was like eight days late, and you're like, shit. I'm what am I made of money? Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I want to read Brad true. Thor. I I thought Gabe, I thought you would be like, well, you know, back when I was, you know, I was growing up at a time when I could already steal break the cycle off of LimeWire. After just waiting a mere four hours for it to download. If there's one thing I can congratulate my parents for, which, you know, I I love them. But they did this very well. They instilled the fear of God in me when it comes to, like, when it came to, like, pirating stuff. Um, Oh, did they? I don't know how they did it. They're, like, not the most technologically literate people. But they somehow put something in my brain that made me, like, think, if I do this, I'm going to jail, I'm going to break everything, and my parents are going to be mad. And those are the worst three things that could possibly happen to me (laughs) at, like, 12. I remember a friend of mine actually, like, tried to get me into that stuff. He gave me, like, a USB drive with a bunch of his music, and it came with LimeWire and FrostWire in case I didn't want to use LimeWire. And, like, of course. immediately I called him in a panic, and I'm just like, am I going to get in trouble for this? Are they tracing me? Are they freak? Are they going to find this? And he's like, dude, no, just recycle bin. You'll be all right. And I'm like, oh, okay, man, whatever you say, I'm just saying. I'm going to throw who you under the bus if they find who me. Who was they in your in your head there? Like, the feds, law, the, like, broadly yeah. speaking? All right. Your, your, your childhood imagination of whatever, like, the government is. Interpol. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> basically, like, um, whatever, like, Hugo Weaving's character from The Matrix, but, like, it's not exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I had no compunction about that, and I was working in an office at the time as, like, an ad agency, and I was using... LimeWire, not just to download uh, like entire albums, but also like entire movies. Where I was like, "Oh, I'd like to watch that movie." And then what I would do is, at the end of the day, I'd click download and I'd leave the office. And one day I came back in the morning, uh, and someone in the office was like, "Man, the internet just did not work last night. We we were upstairs and like we were trying to figure out how it worked." And, and nothing happened. And I was like, huh, that's really weird. And I ran to my fucking computer and I was like to click out of LimeWire. Make sure of course I had to make sure I got like all the like all the, like the hunt for Red October. In yeah, life. yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, did everything download to a hundred percent? Okay, it's good. I'm gonna close out so I don't get fired. And I'm sure they have to have known that like I was one of the people. You basically invented Absolutely. Bitcoin farming. They just hadn't invented Bitcoins yet. But you're like the computers are on all the time, man. There's no reason why it shouldn't be downloading the rock. I, yeah, I absolutely was like, I don't know what could. That's very weird. Did someone try try uh, turning it off and on again? Like, <laughs> uh, we should talk about sports. Would you like to talk about sports? I I kind of was enjoying LimeWire chat, but yeah, if you want to, it's fine. I did. I did. I do enjoy it. Like, I I'm trying my best to. Uh, sort of sort out uh, where I can get some nostalgia from the 2000s and 2010s. Like, I'm still trying to get a good semblance of it. Like, I almost want to make, like, like a trivia night category out of it so I can be like, hey, remember Hey Ya? So I can just, yeah. like, have a sense of, like, a particular place in time because my adulthood's jumbled it all together in one big freakish yeah. mass. I've tried sucks. to do that with defectory stuff, but it's always, like, me, like... Be, there's things that I forgot that other people didn't. Like I remember being like blown away by the fact that the like Bruce Almighty existed, and I like <laughs> yes. had it as a question. Everybody's like, "Yeah, that movie made like five hundred million dollars. It's not weird that Bruce Almighty existed. It's weird that you forgot about it for fifteen years and then we're like, you remember this shit? Jim Carrey was yeah, God. Gabe Louisa uh, like had a had a category once. It was like like the hippest bands of like two thousand seven, and it was like girls, and it was like all this shit. Mm, where I was yeah. like, I remember reading about that stuff. 
in 2007 and we're retaining absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> he's yeah. like, he's like, this is blog wave. I'm like, I don't <laughs> remember. Most See, definitely a dad by then too. So yeah, uh, again, like that, that's another example of just like me acting a lot older than I had to be. Um, in 2007 <laughs> was that period of my life um, where you're just like, you just say F all pop music and, like, you're only going to listen to just, like, the, the badass stuff from, like, when your dad was growing up. Uh, so I was, like, all Metallica and, like, Megadeth at the time. Like, Slayer was the coolest thing Timeless. I ever heard of in 2007. So I would have been right there lost with you in with all of those bands. Uh, maybe with a couple I might have been like, oh, yeah, I've heard of those. But no, just totally lost. Bruce Almighty, though, is something I connect to a little bit more closely. That was my favorite movie for, like, three years. What of um, Evan Almighty, though? Okay. Uh, you know what? I remember going to the theater with my family to see that and my dad is always the barometer for whether or not a movie is good in the theater if he falls asleep or not fell asleep right through it (laughs) 600 million dollars down the toilet also gabe's dad could grab a one hour 45 minute nap yeah that's what he needed oh that's fantastic all right so uh let's fast forward to today and we're at an odd time for the podcast because game four, pivotal game four of the finals, mm. is tonight and will have been played. It is going to be pivotal, though. Post. So it basically, is. either we're going to have a decent NBA finals uh, by the time tonight's over, or it'll be essentially all but over. And we acted last week as if the, the finals were all but over because Phoenix destroyed uh, Milwaukee in game one. And they won, they won the first game two games of that series by a combined 23 points and won both games by double digits. And I was like, eh, this is over. And then the, they came back to, uh, to the series back to Milwaukee. Milwaukee just fucking thrashed them. Yeah. So, and Giannis essentially asserted himself and, he you know, like there, there was sort of, Shaq. He was incredible. Yeah. yeah. So then the question is, I'm going to put it to you, Gabe. And the exciting thing is that you will be proven either right or wrong <laughs> already before anyone hears it out of your fucking mouth. But uh, so don't we'll, sweat it. You can't win. So just, do, do, just let do, it flow. Do you think Giannis can can keep it up and uh, essentially dominate the series and win it? Uh, yeah, but I think it's more the rest of the team. That's that's the issue. Um, you know, you, you can just look at the the box score of Game Three, and it's you know, Giannis. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, and then everyone else is just like squeaking by with like contributions here or there. Uh, Giannis's brother is still getting uh, postseason minutes for reasons that are beyond me. Uh, right. well, no, they're not beyond me. It's you the Ozzy <laughs> Canseco of basketball. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of it has to do. A lot of my concern with uh, the Bucks has to do with how they let the Suns kind of back in it in game four, uh, game three, at the end of the third quarter, and. You know, it's it's one of those. It's a team that you can't give any blood in the water to. You know, you have Chris Paul there, who is so 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 ready to just like grab the Larry O'Brien Trophy. If they were doing this Money in the Bank style, like he would be at the top of the ladder. He would have found a way to sneak into a he stick a <laughs> knife into the ring, and like just so he could get what his what he thinks is his. Um, you know, we're gonna see Giannis do cool shit, but that's it. I think I I, I say five. If it goes to six, I would be surprised. It's weird because I, I still feel like that gentleman's sweep thing was like, that's always been the projection that made the most sense to me, especially because like the Bucks are way more game than I gave them credit for. Like certainly just because they were so terrible the last few postseasons, like they're, they're good. Like this is the best version of them that we've seen. It's just, I don't think they have, as you said, like enough good players to hang with the Suns, but like they were really good. They definitely like, they beat the brakes off them in game four, in game three. 
And it was the sort of thing, too, where, like, that, like, you're right that the, like, third quarter is probably the most entertaining quarter of basketball that we've seen in the finals. But, like, they took the best shot and then they recovered, like, which I sort of, like, that was what I thought Phoenix had done. Because Milwaukee didn't play that bad, those two games in Phoenix. They just, like, they weren't good enough. Like, they were just 11 points worse. The other thing the is end. that Drew Holiday didn't miss the other night. And yeah, well, and he that, did nothing but miss the first two games, though. Right, so at some point, that has to level out, and he's going to just have a game where he hits 50% of his shots instead of either no shot or every shot. And yeah, that's when is, I think it's going to... Ditto know, for Booker having a shitty game in Game 3, that like all of this stuff is going to... like. It's fun to, you know, overreact to it. Like, I don't know how not to overreact to it. Like, my brain is not sophisticated enough to avoid that trap. But, like, yeah, it might have just been, like, an outlier game from everybody except for, like, actually, I think Giannis could absolutely keep this up for the rest of the series, however long that is. But Gabe's right that, like, it won't matter if he's the only one playing at that level. And his knee was, I thought his knee was destroyed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, how the he, he got he got he got the good roids. Whatever roids they gave him, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Just like he got the whole food steroids, fantastic steroids, and I can't. Uh, the uh, the other thing about uh, about Buck Suns is that it's been a clash of uh, interesting jerseys. I will say, cause I well, like a new the Valley, one every game. That's always tight. Yeah, the Valley ones. Uh, I'm sort of I'm sort of acclimated to. I said on Twitter, it looks like a realtor designed them, and I don't think. <laughs> And Gabe, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe you can't. But I just—I don't think I've ever met an Arizona person who's like, "Yeah, I live in the Valley." Like, I don't—I don't associate the term "the Valley" with Arizona. I don't associate much of fucking anything with Arizona except for grim death. But yeah, uh, and then, and then, like you have the Bucks who occasionally bust out their natural light uniforms, and so you know, this is a bit of an aesthetic <laughs> problem to this final. Not as bad as the All Star game last night, but I'm—I'm yeah. I'm trying to figure out which team. Uh, pleases me more from a style and a wardrobe standpoint, Gabe. Is that too shallow of me? No, I think that's that's perfectly valid. Um, you know, uh, when it comes down to it, I my thing against the Bucks is that one of their jerseys kind of has a thin blue line kind of feel to it. Um, there's oh. like a single blue stripe across like the right beer behind. ones. Yeah, yeah. 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 Those, those, every single time I see those, I'm like, mm, I don't, I don't feel great watching those. Um, the, the sun's ones. Yeah. They're, they're really corny. I think a lot of the, what is it? They call the city edition or the stadium yeah. edition or whatever they're called. They, they're trying to bring back like that nineties color schemes that were, that have become popular if they weren't back then. And they I, I sucked think, back then. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I mean, admittedly, I'm, I'm a big fan of still like seeing all like the cartoonish stuff. Like, you show me the cartoonish Raptors on the Toronto jerseys or like the cartoonish Bucks. I'm like, yes, give me more of that. That's that's my shit. Those those definitely make sense given your age as being like a jersey that would be formative to you. But man, they are like really hideous to behold. There's a, a jersey <laughs> store that I like. It's like a secondhand jersey place that um, I will periodically go to and browse. They're like priced for the collector. I'm not going to, like, just pony up and buy a Danny Manning Clippers jersey for $125, although I would I like would. to. I'm just not made of money like that. Uh-huh. The uh, But all the jerseys from that period, the ones with the big stitched-on patches of, like, like you said, like the Toronto Raptor, but he's, like, spinning a basketball and, like, has a boombox on his shoulder, like, just super busy <laughs> design stuff. The actual jerseys, that patch weighs, like, a pound. 
Like it's just like oh, a really it? yeah, it's like a thick Ooh. plate of like fabric stitched onto the jersey. Like it's just it's such an unbelievable. And the Rockets ones from that era, it's like right over your tummy. Like I don't know why they like traded for Charles Barkley and they were like, well, we want to accentuate the belly, so we're gonna put the logo there. People it was love just that a really shit. Bizarre though. choice. They'll do like 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 people on Twitter is like they'll show like the fucking T Rex tooth nameplates on the back of the old Raptors jerseys. Like, These are flames. And I'm like, yeah. no, they're not. <laughs> they look they look like they were designed by my balls being wiped across a piece of paper. It's I do like the Suns jerseys from right before they went really crazy with the um stitched on shit were some of my favorites with the kind of like old timey lettering on Phoenix and it was like uh purple with like the orange sunburst on the shorts. Like that Thunder like, Dan jersey. Yeah, I associate him with like Tom Chambers in the slam yeah. dunk contest. Yeah. Like, yeah. There oh, there's go. a guy. There's yeah, a guy. Have we considered that, you know, it's not the diets, the uh, significantly better medical advice and technology, but simply the fact that NBA players have like 15 pounds of lettering less on their bodies yeah. that allows them to jump <laughs> and like do all of the athletic stuff that we can see now. Maybe it's that. that. I, LeBron, you know, the take is no longer LeBron wouldn't have survived the physicality of the 90s. LeBron would not have survived a 1990s jersey that he would have had to put on with all the like attachments. <laughs> when you get to the shorts like, either, Gabe. Yeah, like okay. the shorts themselves, like TJ Ford shorts. Which yeah, we, we always love is a harbinger yep. of '90s aesthetic. You put TJ yeah. Ford shorts on LeBron; he's not getting that Iguodala block off. You know, no, no. It's too he's much billowing. The wind interference alone is just like exactly. you'd be able to hear him running up the court. It would sound like a loose jib sail on a boat. <laughs> I think like, uh, the idea, though, of <laughs> like Joe Lacob getting together a bunch of like AI and machine learning dudes in a room and then them delivering a report to him six months later that's like the patch needs to be smaller. And he's like, uh-huh. no one else is on this yet. This is it. Like we would know if someone had come up with that because they can't stop patting themselves on the back for whatever innovations they can come up with. <sighs> Let's take a break and come back and talk more sports. We'll be right back. Uh, okay, so uh, we're back. Let's talk about Shohei Otani for a moment. Uh, we, I did not watch the All-Star game. I don't think I was alone in that. And uh, I watched the uh, the Home Run Derby, although I had a problem, Roth, with the format, as our own yeah. Dan McQuaid did. I hate the fucking bracket format. It takes forever. It's, and I don't get the bracket is irrational. But, like, you can't... Like, if you're watching the Home Run Derby and, like have concerns about efficiency and how representative it is, then you're probably taking it too seriously. I just definitely get that it's like, it was a little annoying that it went on like that. Well, also they did a split screen, Gabe. So like, it's hard like to they, follow. Yeah. I just wanted, I wanted it to have the pacing and the, the look of how I would watch a normal home run be hit. Does that make sense, Gabe? No, totally. The, the fact that you, only got half of your screen dedicated to the moonshots at Coors Fields that were hyped up so much for this exact event is very disappointing. Yeah, it's featuring a man who can featuring a man who can hit the ball seven hundred feet. Too, exactly. No, it's you know we're here. You know, yes, we're here to see the stars. We're here to see Shohei Otani just blast those moonshots repeatedly. But you know, there's only you know we don't have to have him on the screen the whole time. Yeah, it's not like a, a Poochie sort of scenario where every time we don't see Shohei Otani, everyone is going to be asking, where is Shohei Otani? <laughs> like, to me, like, the, I definitely agree that it was sort of annoyingly hard to follow with that. There was also a lot of, they didn't say how far the home runs were going, which I know you can't get that exactly right, but you spend a week talking about it, and then, like, 
Juan Soto did hit one like 520 feet or something like that during it. But we found that out like, you know, hours later. It was just kind of, it was unsatisfying. And that's like the one thing that you need to get right. Like, I don't need to see the look on Trevor Story's face like at every moment, but you can also cut between those two things, I'd assume. Uh, and didn't they debunk home run distances a while ago? Oh, yeah, or it's all about that. It's like the same thing as uh, dew point. I don't understand it, and it's <laughs> not my business. <laughs> or like going to the dent. No, I'm kidding. Y- yes. Uh, oh, yeah, we're going to. Time to. <laughs> yeah, open one of those some guys. Third surprise. eyes. Let's do it. <laughs> totally so we're coming not off. I'm scared. Uh, Gabe, we're coming off a home run derby where, because of the format, Otani was eliminated, I believe, in the first round by Soto. Yes. And so we didn't really get as many dingers out of him as I would have liked. I just, I frankly didn't want anyone else to be in the home run derby. I just wanted it to be the show, Shohei Otani showcase. The showcase, as oh, it come were. On. Oh, and I didn't, I didn't get that. Uh, he plays for a shitty team. We're also coming off the heels of Stephen A. Smith uh, not being all that pleased that uh, Shohei can't speak English all that well. And so it's sort of this, it's had this odd uh, counter effect in my mind of actually doing the thing that MLB should have done a long time ago, which was elevating him and making him the most famous athlete they could possibly make him because that's exactly what he deserves. So the question for you, Gabe, is is Shohei Otani kind of having a moment here? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, with, with MLB seemingly like being dragged Sneaky into Simmons it voice. too yeah there you go um you know when when you watch the i did catch some of the all-star game the the beginning with uh, otani on the mounds and the whole thing the whole broadcast was talking about how it was the players who were advocating for him to be out there like you would think that a competent uh league that really wants to you know explode more onto a national scene and like make its stars superstars would be the ones at that forefront. But no, it had to be the players saying, hey, have we considered making this absolute machine of a man who is just launching balls to the moon every single game somebody who can also, like, remind people that he can also throw 100 miles an hour. And that's when the manager in the league goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you know what? That would be pretty cool. Let's do that. Let's, let's put him on. Let's see what happens. And, yeah. you know, he won one, two, three at the beginning. You know, it wasn't like any like big strikeouts or anything, but he got to show off stuff. You know, he threw, he threw I think he threw over 100 twice. Um, and, you know, it's again, it shouldn't really be reliant on the players to be dragging everything there. They're players. They're not part of the marketing team. Yeah, I feel like that's been a big issue with Major League Baseball for years now, though, is that like it's not even like that kind of passive capital strike sort of vibe that the owners had during the offseason the last few years ago, like. It feels like at this point, like Manfred and ownership is like just like actively conspiring against baseball's popularity and success, like or at least like the tenor of the conversation about it. Like and some of this is like an ESPN problem and like a national, you know, sports media tick in general. But it's all very like, why isn't this working? Like, why does this suck so bad? Why does it make me unhappy shit? Where it's like at this point, the disjunction between the the sort of the tenor of that conversation and then how like many cool, fun baseball players there are doing like very cool things every game. It's really jarring to me. The idea that like baseball itself really does seem pretty healthy and have a lot of really cool young stars that people like watching. And yet they're still talking about it as if it's on life support. And I don't, I I can't see the percentage in that unless it's really all about like the collective bargaining agreement to be negotiated in December. Like it would be pretty depressing if it was that, 
humdrum and stupid an answer, but it's hard well, to come up with much else. Well, do we exacerbate that if we, because we've had, we've had this conversation a few times about, oh, you know, what's wrong with baseball. And sometimes I will never I feel exacerbate. Like, I feel like if you have that conversation enough, it becomes sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're, you're not focusing on the right thing because they're fucking up and they're going to fuck up. But if you, if you linger on the fuck ups, then you yourself are contributing to the problem. In fact, I'm blaming you, Roth, for no. That's fair, right and now. I and I'm happy to shoulder that blame. I think I'm, you're. I'm glad you're, you're right. holding Roth accountable here. This is. I guess I should have known. This is an intervention. It's not really a pod. We're not recording this at all, are we? No, that's never. right. It's and terrible. do you believe in God, by the way? <laughs> yeah, Gabe. This is a question we ask all of our guests: their relationship <laughs> with their faith. <laughs> I think. I do think uh, that there is an element where it's easy to miss what's cool. And happening now because of how sort of ominous the offseason seems. And I'm trying, like, in my own work to, like, focus on that. Not just because, you know, whatever, there might not be baseball next year or whatever grim shit I can say about it. But, like, I do think that's the, the most reasonable sort of counter to, you know, an argument that I think is pretty specious. Which is just, like, yeah, whatever the, the problem might be, like, look how cool this is. So I'm trying to, like emphasize that is this hard Gabe have you written about Otani much I feel like I'm like saving it as like a break glass in case of emergency because like I want to do it all the time but I haven't let myself really do it yet uh most of the time well at CBS Sports when I would I would have had the opportunity like you know they have a talented baseball team so it would have been you know on the responsibility of them really whenever I would pick up something about Otani would just be you know him doing a very cool thing like in the moment um but in regards to you know all of that, it is it is tough wondering what your responsibility is necessarily. Sorry to keep harping on this, you know I like Roth, but you know uh, <laughs> uh, you know it does seem like but, there is there is a there is an aspect of you have to understand how realistic some of these dire situations are. You know you do have to kind of like mentally prepare for the worst if nothing else, um, but also promote something that you enjoy. Uh, it shouldn't necessarily always like you know fall on you. It, it does suck that you know again it shouldn't fall on the players. It shouldn't fall on us. You know there's a group of people who are paid lots of money to do this kind of thing, and that it's fallen to us is is a failing in and of itself. Gabe, uh, can I ask you how much of this falls on the Angels themselves? Right now they're currently a game over 500, which is actually shocking for them. Yeah, they've Shockingly been without Trout for a long time too. Like it's yeah, it's they, good for they, them. Yeah, so it's not as if uh, the Angels have not paid people like they spend money and yet they have the two brightest stars in baseball and they just they just suck i mean and sucking like at best they are average as they are right now why have they been unable to capitalize on the incredible assets that they have uh in their stable well i feel like uh roth and pretty much anyone who pays like even a a little bit more pays a little bit more attention to baseball than I do would probably have more specifics on that. Uh, from what I understand, there's this, from what I understand, the, the, the Angels are, there was a tweet that was going around that was saying, like, every single day when the Angels play, Shohei Otani breaks a record that has been around since the early 20th century and has not been, and has, was last held by, like, one-legged Tony Phillips. Yeah. And then they ended up losing 8-7 to seven to the Tigers after, like, a nine-run rally in the, after a nine-run rally in the ninth because of their pitching. From what yeah. I understand, you know, it's it's their pitching that leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I, th- I want to go back a little bit further to what you were saying, like, how much does this fall on the Angels? Not so much from, like, a, a player standpoint, but also, I guess, like, 
pushing out the star standpoint. I mean, I think it, it is possible to be, have like such an unlikable or not an unlikable, such a bad team and still make them likable. Uh, but a lot of it has to do with kind of bouncing off of the the local culture of your area where you are. Take, for example, the Process Sixers. Um, you know, we find them, we found a lot of the pro-process people insufferable for a reason. Why? Because they were supporting all of this. And somehow there was like an untapped market within that Philly sports, uh, Philly sports fans and like nerds in general that people were able to go into and see what they can extract from that and thus like growing a Sixers fan base. God, this is reminding me of all the business classes that I dropped out of. <laughs> uh, uh, so, you know, I feel like the Angels have to do something similar in, in that respect over there. Um, they have to figure something out. Um, otherwise, Yeah, but, but all they really have to do is be good, isn't it? Isn't that really just the heart of it? And I don't know why they're not good. By the way, I kind of want... know why they're not good. Oh wait, uh, which I'm, is I'm gonna, it's their owner. But go okay. ahead. A Roth place. Oh. Well, I just wanted to give uh, I just wanted to give proper credit to Matomic cuz the t- the tweet in question that Gabe was mm-hmm. referencing was every time I see an Angels highlight, it's like Mike Trout hit 3 homers, home runs and raised his average to 528 while Shohei Otani did something that hasn't been done since Tuxton Harb O'Doyle of the 1921 <laughs> Akron Groomsmen as the Tigers defeated the Angels 8-3. to So that was the, the tweet in question. Roth, why is Artie Moreno a terrible owner? It, because he's like an old-fashioned type of terrible owner because he's very, like, the new type of bad ownership group is either, like, the creep that owns the Pirates who, like, lives in international waters and has no interest in the team at all. Yeah, that's or, just a skin flint. Yeah, or it's, like, one of those things where it's owned by, like, you know, the like sports excellence group and it's just like a hundred <laughs> rich guys that like have all put in a little bit of money because they think they're gonna get eight percent back. In this case, like he's super duper hands-on. Like he's like a like the Will Ponds of Orange County, California. And that's not any place that you want to be. When the Will Ponds had money, they would spend money on free agents and they would bring guys in. But it was all like it was their guys and they were basically going out and like reading the newspaper in the morning and being like, who is the, like the guy with the highest batting average that is available on the free market right now. And so it's not that the angels don't have they're like they're top heavy in terms of the talent they have, but they're also like the stuff that the owner focuses on and that he gets on the front office to do is all the stuff like sign Anthony Rendon or whatever. And like, it's never a bad idea to add Anthony Rendon to your roster, but like if, the farm system is atrophied if there's not like this sort of like constant like process of producing players that fill in around the stars that you buy, then you wind up with a team like the Angels, where it's like as soon as you get past that top three guys, it's like the ghost of Justin Upton and then like a bunch of guys named Jeff that went to like UCSB that you developed. And they're like the only guys that came out of your farm system, you know, over the course of ten years. Hey, they're it trying can to be revamp fixed. that. Yeah, I mean they got it. They have a new GM, and they like down, I mean, they drafted twenty pitchers, I think, yes. or something like that. That's, They've that's drafted like insane. fifty of their last fifty-eight draft picks, or something like that, have been pitchers, which I guess is good. But at the same time, it's like clearly Artie Moreno does not get that excited to sign pitchers. So maybe this is you have to trick him and be like, we already have them. Look, you don't need to to pay for whatever, like C.J. Wilson or whoever the last pitcher he signed to a free agent contract was. Uh, we have to have uh, we have another special guest coming on, uh, Gabe. I'm sorry, you will also you are not the only guest. We're not going to bump you in favor of guests, but we have a defector accomplice on to answer uh, some fun bag questions and play some stupid games with us. So, would you like to meet our defector accomplice? I would be more than happy to. Can we give Gabe a guy before we have our accomplice on? 
Oh, yes. I have a guy of the week in honor of Gabe. Uh, oh Gabe, would you like the guy of the week? I would love to hear the guy of the week. All right. Well, the guy we're remembering this week, Chester Taylor. You remember that guy? Hell Chester yeah. Taylor, yeah. We love he, him. Yeah, used to be a Vikings running back. Oh. Well, he and was a Ravens running back Ravens. before a Vikings running back. So, so Oh, my bad. Uh, I was just saying that the way, reason I remember him from being a Vikings running back is because of Madden 2005. Uh, oh when, really? Yep, was he a badass? Yeah, he was there. He, well, he was he was part of the team that had Culpepper and, and Randy Moss. I think this was before any of the moves were made, or I might have moved him back. I don't remember. It's been a while since I played Madden 2005. You want a really depressing note? My friend and I we went through Madden 2005 um, in college like three or four years ago. We were going through all the rosters and we counted, and like the amount of players that are there that are no longer with us is. Uh, like seven or eight is it really yeah it's no you go grim. through and you're just like oh yeah i remember that guy oh right will smith oh, <laughs> oh jesus <laughs> yeah so was chester taylor on the vikings when they drafted adrian peterson uh i believe so maybe he was a fantastic third down back yes in his and a, the very good with the ravens too in that role and then he had like a year or two as a thousand yard rusher i recall and then I think he they went would to the have, Bears or something like that. Yeah. After that. I just I know the feeling of like when you have a perfectly good running back that you like and then your team drafts Adrian Peterson or whatever, you have like I had this when the Nets traded Stephon Marbury for Jason Kidd that like my initial response was like, Oh my god, are you serious right now? Like you go through all this work to get Marbury and you trade him for some fucking dork. <laughs> and like it was totally In a way like, you were right. Yeah, I mean I was. Marbury's cooler, but it's like the idea of like Whatever the um, like liking what you have more than you should is the one fan impulse I've found the hardest to shake out of any others. That's a very trademark guy thing too, Gabe. With a uh, with like guys like Chester Taylor, where I don't remember when or how they left the sport. Like I, you know, Peyton Manning. I remember Peyton Manning's last game. That ain't fucking hard. Chester yeah. Taylor's last game, no idea. Right. No like idea. You'd be like know. shot like Thomas Jones's last game was on a team that you like had no idea that he ever played for. It's just, yeah, he's probably like off the Jaguars or some shit. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so now it's time for some fun and games. And to join us and to join Gabe and Roth and I, we have defector accomplice Nick Walden. Hi, Nick. Hey, Nick. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I was uh, Nick. Where Nick? Where are you? Uh, I'm based out of Chicago, Illinois. Oh, Chicago! We had a you, nice time uh, in Chicago with the old podcast. People drank Malort with me. Looked me right in the eyes when they did it. That's apparently a thing there. You got to make eye contact while you do it. Oh, I it's feel awful, like the, uh, isn't it? <laughs> I, I feel like the uh, like there was a Malort face uh, take industry. Like, eh, call it five years ago, and then that was countered by. A backlash. Actually, Malort is really good. Yes. Take industry that came on the heels of that. Almost certainly uh, all triggered by Tim Marchman. Yeah, that's Marchman <laughs> mindset. Absolutely. 100%. So, I'm, so now I'm in the, uh, and like I know people who like Fernet and stuff like that now. So it's just like people who actively seek out aggressively bad liquors and like want to be fond of them and want you to be fond of them. And I can't, I can't bring myself to do that at this point. But hey, Nick. We're not going to argue about Amari here. We're not Nick, would, do it. You, would you and Gabe like to play Dead or Cancelled? I'd love to. I would All right. Also like to. Nick, you get first uh, crack at it, and then Gabe, you get to guess, and then I'll reveal it, and we'll see which one of you was right if you guessed it differently. Does that sound cool? Sounds good. Perfect. 
Go. Wow, that Excellent. Sounds All cool. right. I'm going to give you a name, Nick Walden, of a per- famous person. You have to tell me whether or not they're dead or canceled. This week, your challenge is Ed McMahon. Is he dead or canceled, Nick Walden? Ed McMahon. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to say that he's probably dead, which means I'm never getting a big check from him. Uh, Gabe, <laughs> do you agree? Is Ed McMahon dead or canceled? You know what? I was leaning dead, but for the fun of the game, I'm going to say Ed McMahon has been canceled. I'm sorry. Nick Walden was the one who was correct. Ed oh. McMahon is dead. Ah, ah, ah. No. Yes! The only way that I knew that he was dead is that I didn't remember him getting canceled. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's a hundred process of elimination. He totally would have been canceled by now if he had lived. He would have been like, yeah, ah. it's like, bit like whatever, getting too close to Lonnie Anderson during a conversation or whatever. Like it's, it was different then. It was very hard to get canceled when Ed McMahon was on TV. The vaccine is fake. You are correct, <laughs> like, sir. That's come right. on, Ed. Very disappointing. <laughs> Nick, would you like to answer some fun bad questions? Let's go for it. Hopefully, right, HR is not listening. This one's from Adam. You get you again get first uh, crack, Nick. Adam writes in golf, MMA, or the Olympics. You have one bullet. Where do you aim? Which of those sports do you kill off permanently, Nick? Golf, MMA, or the Olympics? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm gonna have to kill off golf. Why? You know, it's just something about the fashion that comes with golf. And every now and then you just you get some really shitty pastels and you just you do you can't unsee them. So I'm going to have to say golf. The crime is when they're very pale pastels. Like I want I want the Jesper Parnovic brightness. I want there to be I, I want there to be some verve to the pastels. If it's just like a sort of wan. Oh, the pastels got no verve, Drew. Yeah, you got to get right. rid of them. The guy have vibe. Uh, Gabe. Which one do you kill off? I'm going to have to also side with our our guest here and go with golf. There's never been a point in my life where I've thought I'm going to sit down and watch the golf. Um, I've never thought to watch a golf highlight. Um, Or have I considered, you know what, I'm just going to go out to the back nine with the boys. Is is that what they say? Um, (laughs) That's the classic expression, yes. Uh, The closest is, you know, I enjoy a good putt-putt every now and again. But, you know, sorry. I I like I like my human cockfighting and I like uh, and, and I love you know the that Olympic tune we love that. Raw. So, I think it has to be just from a, you know a harm reduction perspective. It has to be the Olympics. Like it's just the the biggest weirdest grossest spectacle there is. And like every four years, some city gets like a bunch of you know whatever working people displaced and like five hundred thousand more cops that they can never get rid of that's bad classic roth always politicizing things but i do think yes that's true i'm trying to keep it out of out of sports i do think also mma at this point serves like a like a load-bearing function in our society in terms of like just keeping the people that participate in it and really care about it like sort of like satiated and like off the streets you know that like all these these sorts of like patty is really good about dropping these videos into slack just like guys with cauliflower ears that have like unlearned how to read over the course of a few years because they think it makes them more alpha or whatever like those guys at least have like a thing to do now like they're not in congress or uh you know serving as uh, dental hygienists or anything like that See, like they're safely me, siloed off to me it was to me it was a layup i would have gotten rid of mma instantly like oh. i know the olympics are like morally bad and ioc chair monsieur pellegrini is a bad guy and all that stuff but 
but I like to watch golf and I like to watch the Olympics. I don't like to watch MMA. And everyone associated with MMA is like, if I, if I meet a person and I like them and I, they seem really cool and then they're like, and actually I'm really into MMA, I instantly downgrade them. Oh, like, they're, they're, my esteem for them just plummets <laughs> in the ground. They're like, you know what? I really love that Conor McGregor. Great guy. Loves to be provocative. I'm like, you know what? Mm, I, don't, I don't think we're going to drink anytime yeah. soon. To me, like, MMA stuff is, I am not quite, I definitely understand that impulse. I'm not quite that draconian on it, but it's one of those things where, like, I've had friends that are really into it, and they can, like, explain the cool things that are happening. And then when I watch it, it's definitely just two men in underpants, uh, like, whacking each other in the back of the head mm-hmm. on the floor. And I don't really, I can't see what's cool about it. But that's true of a lot of things. It's like if people, you know, were trying to explain to me, like, the beauty of reading Dostoevsky in the original Russian or whatever. And I'm like, I bet that's tight, but like, I, I can't. Uh, Nick, this is from reader Chris. He writes in, will we ever reach a time where people stop leaving their cell phone number at the end of voicemails as it very clearly comes up on the screen of the phone being called? Do you ever think we'll reach that point, Nick? Oh, fucking boomers, man. <laughs> <laughs> First off, what is a voicemail? Yeah. That's what text messages are for. I'm 35 years old. I've lived half my life. And if I ever use the phone again, please just put me out of my misery and send me to the glue factory. <laughs> uh, no, for business purposes, I don't think people will ever stop that. Uh, but the day to day, oh, God, I hope so. Because when I finally listen to my voicemails, like once every six months and delete them, I'm like, I don't care. I see it right here. And I just delete it out. And that's it. Yeah. The uh, the business thing makes sense because people will leave it just so they can say they left it. Like if you don't call them back or something, like, well, I left my number for them. You know, like <laughs> there's like a bit of ass covering there. Gabe, have you ever left your number? Have you ever left a voicemail? Yeah, have you ever left a voicemail? I have, I have, uh, and left my number. Uh, but bo- both of those were in cases where I was reporting something. So it was, I guess, like business work kind of setup situation um i i would almost want to flip the question and wonder like you know as as nick pointed out the number's right there you know the number's right there when you check your voicemail do you think an impulse is going to go away of like when somebody reads your number their number my first thing is just like oh i gotta write it down without even thinking about everything else i wonder when that impulse is also going to go away i think that would go first um whereas leaving your number at the end might stay a while well, it's kind of heartening thing, to hear oh. that a young person still does that because, like, I am definitely like a writing things down person, but that's because, like, I spent half of my life being like, if you don't write it down, it will go away. Like, you, <laughs> like it will be forgotten and lost to the ages. The uh, the other thing is that uh, you know I'm not always calling a cell phone. Like, I'm calling a doctor's office or something, mm-hmm. and a doctor's office has every excuse in the goddamn world to never call me again mm-hmm. when I need my coronavirus test results back and things like that. So I, I do leave my number because I'm just like, I have to, I have to exhaust every possible, I can't leave them any excuse to fuck me over and not call me back. So I cover all my bases and I definitely leave them. I say, it's, it's Drew McGarry. Again, that's Drew McGarry. Yeah, that's good though. I do it twice. I do it. I do it at the beginning of the voicemail and at the end of the voicemail. Again, that's Drew McGarry. And I'm from Defector Media. Call me on my cell phone. 
I find uh -huh. a nice note in leaving a voicemail is to encourage the person listening to it to pay attention, as menu options may have changed. That's right. <laughs> People really like that. That I did learn was a legal thing that doctor's offices do, and I don't know how it benefits them legally, but whatever. <laughs> I don't uh, know how that law would be enforced. But. Uh, Nick, this is from reader Andy. Andy writes in, whenever I hear the term sabermetrics, I assume it was invented by Brett Saberhagen. I'm too lazy <laughs> to look it up, so I assume I'm right, right? Nick, were sabermetrics invented by former pitch, pitcher Brett Saberhagen? I mean, no, but it's a lot more fun <laughs> if the answer yes. is yes. Yeah. Yep. Do you think of Brett Saberhagen when sabermetrics are brought up? Well, duh. Doesn't everybody? The first thing you think is, did Brett Saberhagen? Oh, no, it was prospectus. Never mind. Yeah. Sometimes I think of the tiger first. I think that it is, uh, like, it has something to do with his name. I should know this. But I think that, like, that was in the same way that, like, the Pakoda ratings are, like, named after Bill Pakoda, who played for the Royals. Like, it's an acronym for something, but it's also kind of a gag on Saberhagen. So, like, nobody's actually wrong here. Oh, really? Somehow. Like, so he actually does have something to do with the origin of the name? No, he had nothing to do with it. It was other people <laughs> came up with it. But then the name is, like, a, a sort of a nod in his direction. Was it a really? nod or an inside joke? I mean, who knows? With these guys, with the Society for American Baseball Research, those guys, incorrigible. They could be nodding and making an inside joke at the same time. But there's no way they named themselves the Society for American Baseball Research because they were founded in 1971. Like, there's no way they named themselves after Brett Saberhagen because Brett Saberhagen was what? 82 years old by then? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I really thought they were related. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just retconned that in my head. I like that you did, though. I yeah. think that's very cool. In my head, actually, I'm just going to, now that I know that I have the freedom to do this, I'm going to go ahead and name him after Mark Gubiza. So I think that's a fun name. <laughs> oh, that's a guy. That's fantastic. Yeah, Nick, while you're here, by the way, would you like to remember a guy? Do you have any guys in your brain that you'd like to just spew out? Ooh, let's remember a guy. Um, well, the problem is all the guys that I remember, I tend to look up on Twitter because they're always doing something shitty. And I'm like, ah. Oh. So here's yeah. one. 90s basketball. Clifford Robinson from the Trailblazers. There's a random oh, name for band. you. Of course. We love go. Cliff Robinson. The fantastic. I like that. That's a great guy to remember. So let's, uh, let's finish off the fun bag, Nick. This is from Christopher. He says, yesterday I walked to the neighboring town, and as I approached the train station to catch the next train back home, the station agent was outside enjoying a cigarette. He asked me where I was going, and I told him, and he said, you just missed one by five minutes, which begs the question, what's the fucking point in even saying that to me? Why did the station agent say that to him, Nick? Was he just fucking with poor Christopher? Because the station agent has a crappy time every day with crappy passengers. And so it's just his nice little way of getting back. And he says, ah, jabs that knife in just a little harder. And he's like, all right, my job here is done. Whatever the opposite of paying something forward is, basically, is what you're saying? I mean, if that's back. how you want to term it, absolutely. <laughs> oh that's great uh, by the way i am i am the exact sort of person who would say you just missed it because i would be like like i would frame it as a positive thing like ah, oh, you were so close you're like it's almost as if you're on the train already you were so close like and i feel for you <laughs> that you're not on it because really you deserve to be on it but that's not helping at all no. in any form you're like the grinch you who stole family time <laughs> yeah you got to find the right angle on it just be like oh there's another one coming in 53 minutes See, that's now it's nice news. Well, I mean, the good news is that no trains in America work at all. So your, your, <laughs> your danger is not, the danger of this happening to you again is, is really not 
all that bad. Hey, Nick, you were a fantastic accomplice. Is there yeah, anything thank you'd you, like? Man. Would you like to shout out like to your mom or anything like that while we're here? Well, of course I love my mom, but that's why I have a tattoo that says I love mom. Duh. Oh, that's true. <laughs> um, no, true. just wanted to say uh, thanks for having me on. Keep up the great work. Thanks for letting me to pay to get my way out of the grays finally. And oh, nice. uh, yeah, you guys are doing awesome. Um, oh, special kudos to Diane. I love everything you guys are doing. Keep it up. Thanks for the time oh, today. Oh, we love the Thank shout you. out to Diana. And Gabe, hi. How are you? Uh, I, I was just gonna say, how are you today? But we already we just started the podcast. That's that's this is to end that. the fucking podcast. Gabe, uh, when do you start at SF Gate? Have you started already? Uh, yes, I've officially started uh, earlier this week. Just going through a few more motions of things, and should be getting some stuff up soon. If you want to find oh. out more, you can follow SF Gate on Twitter or me at the Latino Child. Uh, that's brilliant, Gabe. You were so lovely to come on. Will you come on again? Gladly, absolutely. Oh. Fantastic. Well, the Hell show yeah. is produced and engineered by Brandon Nix, who is our producer and engineer. Daisy Rosario is our executive <laughs> producer. And our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. Not to be confused with Kirk Hammett, which one reader did one time, but Kirk Hamilton. You can also <laughs> listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. And thanks to Roth and me and Gabe and Nick, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code distract oh. don't forget to rate review and subscribe wherever it is that you listen and go subscribe to defected.com while you're at it and go to sfgate.com where gabe works and where i also work from time to time so gabe thank you so much for coming on roth for, thank you for coming on and nick thank you for coming on let's all do it again sometime gentlemen terrific bye bye